Hello and welcome to Motherkind. It is with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. This is the show that's going to help you feel more empowered, confident and happy in motherhood, despite us living in this world of judgment, pressure and comparison. This week is a solo episode with me and I'm so excited because I'm going to teach you how to turn your inner bully into an inner friend and become your own inner support system to feel more confident, happier and experience hopefully way more ease and calm in your days. There is so much judgment, isn't there? Criticism and lack of validation in our roles as mothers. But we also have to learn not to do that to ourselves as well. We have to learn how to get on our own sides because almost every mother I know deep down doesn't feel good enough and lives with a constant inner critic. We're actually relentless in our criticism of ourselves. We focus on what we've done wrong rather than the hundreds of things we've done right. We decide that no one really likes us at the school gates or the toddler group. We question ourselves at every turn, seeing that everyone else has it together and it's only us who feels like we're always failing. I promise you, it is not only you. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that mothers criticising ourselves is an epidemic. And there's a good reason why that is. The more we care about something, the louder the inner critic gets. I feel like that's worth saying again. The more we care about something, the louder the inner critic gets. So it actually makes sense, doesn't it? That in motherhood, often the thing that we care about the most, and I know if you're listening to this podcast, then you are deeply invested in your role as a mother. It makes sense then that the critic gets louder and louder. We actually can't be happy if we're constantly criticising ourselves. It's just obvious, isn't it? We can't feel enough joy in our lives if we are living with a constant bully in our heads. And actually, studies show it's the inner critic that blocks us from being able to experience more joy in motherhood. When I first became a mother, I actually had no idea how to be kind to myself. I knew how to beat myself up. I knew how to push myself. I knew how to tell myself I was doing it wrong, that I was clueless, that I was failing, that everyone else was doing it right. I had no idea how to have my own back and to actually support myself. I also knew that this is a generational trait So often self-criticism and a challenging relationship with ourselves gets passed down the generations. And I knew I did not want to pass on this relentless self-criticism onto my girls. So through this platform, I have learned everything I could about worth, self-compassion and how to become a friend to ourselves. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know I've interviewed hundreds of experts on this, even the world leader on self-compassion, Dr. Kristin Neff. And the tools and the skills I've learned and I'm going to teach you today have not only transformed my motherhood, but my life. I am so much happier, calmer, confident and more fun without an inner bully. Being kinder to ourselves has been proven to be the number one thing you can do to improve the quality of your life. 
Self-compassion has been proven to be one of the most powerful sources for developing healthy coping mechanisms and resilience. And people who are kind to themselves are less likely to be anxious or depressed. So this is a really important skill for us to learn. Let me teach you the exact skill that has transformed my inner bully into an inner friend. And I've got to tell you, I have tried hundreds of tools to try and shift this. And I've boiled it down to one, to the tool that I've created. It's called Beliefs, Thoughts and Actions. And I'm going to teach you now the exact steps you need to take to start becoming your own friend. So let's start with beliefs. Dr. Nicola Perra came on the podcast and she said to me that a belief is a practiced thought. Beliefs are thoughts about ourselves that we have repeated so many times that they become our truth. And as I'm saying that, I bet you're already thinking about things that you keep saying to yourself over and over again. Maybe it's a phrase like, I can't cope. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Those are beliefs. And just like grooves on a record or plow lines in a field, these beliefs run deep and they are very well worn. You know, we actually think that we are rational thinkers going about our day, deciding how we should feel and act. But actually, that's not the case. Research shows that we're operating about 80% of the time from these subconscious beliefs. So to put it bluntly, what you believe about yourself runs your life. Now, the reason this matters so much is because I want you to deeply transform how you talk to yourself. And we can't do that on a surface level. We have to dig a bit deeper into beliefs. We have to get into the weeds, into the foundations and start to look at what those beliefs are. What you believe about yourself as a mother and in your life is driving your day to day behaviour and action. So we have to start there. And I have had the absolute honour of sitting with hundreds of clients over the years in my coaching practice, looking at these beliefs. And you know, whenever we dig down into the foundations, what we often find is some version of, I'm not good enough. And for each of us, that might have a different flavour. But what I often hear is, I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not good enough in how I look. I'm not good enough financially, my house isn't good enough, my partner isn't good enough, whatever it might be, we often get down to some version of I'm not good enough. And the heartbreaking thing is when we believe deep down that there's something about us that isn't good enough, then our thoughts and our actions come from that place. And I know that when I was really operating for these from these beliefs of I'm not good enough, that led to me massively getting lost in perfectionism and control and overworking and overgiving and not being able to set boundaries because ultimately I didn't believe I was worthy of any of those things. So we have to change these things. If we don't believe that we're good enough, we don't care for ourselves properly. We don't go for our dreams. Or if we believe we're not smart enough, then we don't go for the promotion. These beliefs really do run our behaviour. So how are we going to change them? Well, it is a bit of a coaching cliche that you can't change what you're not aware of, but it's a cliche because it is true. 
we have to bring some awareness to what these beliefs are. So have a think now. You'll probably have already have thought of a few since I've been talking, but what are your beliefs about yourself? Do you think you're good enough? Do you think you're a great mum? Do you think you're a fantastic mum? Do you think you parent well? Do you think you run your home well and your work life well? Think about what you believe about yourself as a mother. Think about other areas of your life too. What do you believe about yourself as a friend, as a partner, as a daughter, as a sister, as an entrepreneur or an employee? And I would really encourage you when you finish this episode or perhaps pause it now, depending on where you listen, to jot these down because you'll be surprised about what comes out. The first time I did this, I, I was quite shocked, to be honest with you, what I was unearthing about how negative my beliefs were about myself. But we can't change something we can't see. So it is really important and powerful to do this. Okay, the next step is about evidence. Okay, so we have to understand a little bit about how the brain works. There is something in your brain called the reticular activating system, which is a part of our brain that matches what we believe and what we look for. So essentially, it is like a computer and you put into your brain what you want to search for. So you're typing into the search bar, I'm not good enough, and your brain is finding evidence of that everywhere you look. Let me give you an example. I had a belief for a long time that I wasn't liked. It came from the playground. It was formed very young. And until I unearthed this belief, I saw evidence of it everywhere because that's what I was telling my brain to do. I was had this belief and so my brain wanted that to be true. So I noticed the person who didn't smile at me. I noticed the parties I wasn't invited to. I focused on the person I didn't click with and I used all of this for evidence. See, I'm not liked. That's what I would say to myself. And the belief got stronger and stronger. It was only when, at the start of Motherkind, I started doing this work and I wrote a new belief for myself. I am liked. And guess what happened? I started noticing completely different evidence. I noticed how many incredible friends I did have. I noticed the people that did smile at me, the parties I did get invited to, the coffees I was invited to. So this is really, really important. Your brain will seek out what you tell it to focus on. So if you are focusing on a belief that you're not good enough, you will see evidence of that everywhere. The converse is also true. If you update those beliefs, you will see new evidence of that everywhere too. And I promise you that evidence is there, maybe in tiny, tiny, tiny ways, but it is there. So that's the third step is to write yourself a new belief. I am good enough or I am smart. I can be happy right now today. Write yourself a new belief and look for evidence that it is true. Okay, so those are beliefs. We have to dive down into the foundation level in order to switch this critic into a friend and a support system. So we have to start at the belief level. Okay, now let's move on to thoughts. So we've talked about beliefs. Let's move on to talk, think about thoughts. Now, Mo Gorda is an incredible guy. And on the podcast, he said to me, thoughts and only thoughts have the single 
biggest impact on the state of our happiness. And I think that is absolutely true because for a long time, my thoughts, just like my beliefs, were negative and critical. And you might be thinking, where does this come from? I've thought about this a lot. It doesn't seem to make sense. Why would we have these loud critics? It's actually generational. So if you had a critical parent, either to you or who was critical of themselves, then you pick that up. So Dr. Nicola Perra said to me that how we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. So if you had a parent who was critical to you, you will have internalised that critical voice and it becomes your inner critic. And actually, when you tune into it, you might notice this sounds a lot like my mum or this sounds a lot like my dad or another caregiver or even a teacher that you had at school. And the incredible psychotherapist Philippa Perry, she said to me, if we are horrible to ourselves, our kids somehow pick it up by osmosis that it's okay to be horrible to yourself. So actually, this critic is learned We are not born with an inner critic. It is learned, which is amazing news because we can unlearn it. And this is where we can start to break some cycles generationally. If we can start getting on our own sides, if we can start supporting ourselves, saying out loud kind things to ourselves, we can develop for our children a completely different inner voice for them how incredible is that so for me there's no bigger motivation that I need to start to focus on this think one of the biggest myths is that if we ignore the inner critic or maybe tell it to do one that it will go away the opposite is actually true the best thing that we need to do is actually befriend that critic I know that sounds counterintuitive but we have to become aware of it often that critic is trying to protect us somehow It's trying to serve us in some way and it's our job to figure out what that is. So that's the first step is awareness. The second step is a skill and that is that you can have a thought and not make it true. So you can hear your voice say, you're such a mess, you can't cope and you cannot believe it. I can't emphasize this enough, this is where a lot of the really big transformations will start, is that thoughts are just thoughts. When I had a really challenging relationship with this critical part of me, it was often because I was believing everything that it was saying, okay? The moment that we can start to create some distance from it and think, huh, there's my inner critic, there it is. We're not going to tell it to go away. We're not going to replace it straight away with a new thought. First of all, we are just going to notice and become aware of it. We are not going to believe every thought that comes into our head. Okay. 
Now, the third step is where we do start to replace those thoughts. We do start to think a different thought. And I love this tool, which is first thought, second thought, first action. So often our first thought about something is that it's going to be negative. It's going to be critical. It's likely going to be informed by some of those generational patterns. It's likely to be negative and based on our programming. So we have kind of little choice often about that first thought, but we do have some choice over a second thought. So we can choose a better second thought and then a first action. So as I'm recording this, I am aware of a voice saying, this is awful. Your voice doesn't sound great. I can hear your voice is a bit croaky. You're getting a bit ill. You can't put this out. It's not good enough. I can hear all of that going on and I'm choosing a better second thought, which is actually, I think this is quite good. You've worked hard on this episode. Yes, your voice does sound a little bit croaky. That's okay. Your message is more important and you want to put this out. So, and my action is that I'm keeping going. So say you miss something at school, you miss an open classroom in our art day or something. Your first thought is likely to be negative and critical. You're such a bad mum, you're failing, I knew you couldn't handle this new job and everything that you've got to do with the kids, you're a disaster. Notice that first thought, don't make it true. Second thought, it's okay. Most parents drop balls like this. You're doing really well. You're handling it. I wonder how I can make this up with my child. First action, you might think about somehow that you could repair. Okay, so those are thoughts. And the number one thing that I really, really want you to take away because it is transformational is do not believe every thought you have. Okay, so on to the last of the three steps. We've talked about beliefs, getting into the weeds, changing the foundation. We've talked about thoughts, how to choose a better thought, how to not believe every thought. Now we're into action. So this is where there are certain specific tools that have completely transformed my motherhood and my days. And I'm going to teach these to you now. They are simple and powerful, like all the best tools are. So the first one is, what would you say to a good friend? Now, this is because it is easier to find a compassion and a perspective and an empathy for our friends than it is for ourselves. So say your critic is on you, you just feel like the house is a mess, work deadlines are just on top of you, your your boss is on you, your kids are screaming and your inner critic is on you saying, you can't do this, you can't cope, you're failing. I want you to pause and think, what would I say to a good friend? Because chances are you will be able to access words of compassion, words of understanding, words of empathy. You would probably say something to your friend like, this is really hard. You are juggling a lot. Look at what you are doing. You've got the kids tea on the table. You know, you've created some space to get some work done tonight. You are doing so well. You are in a really intense moment right now. And I promise you, it won't always feel like this. You would say something really kind to your friend. So next time you're in one of those moments, see if you can ask yourself that question. What would I say to a good friend? And then see if you can say it to yourself. 
So the second tool I learned from Dr. Kristin Neff, who is the founder of Mindful Self-Compassion. And this is a tool called Self-Compassion Break. It is completely backed in science and Dr. Kristen and her team have studied the impact that this can have. It takes just 30 seconds and it is brilliant to use in the moment. In fact, I'm going to link the podcast that I did with Dr. Kristen Neff. She explains how she came up with this tool on an aeroplane when her autistic son was having a huge meltdown. So the self-compassion break is in three steps, okay? And this is for when you're having a hard moment. You know those moments when everyone is screaming at you, you can hear screaming inside your own head. It's just a really intense moment. Maybe you're out and about and you can feel the judgment of of eyes on you. Maybe you're in your home and you just feel really alone and you're struggling, This is when to use this tool. So the first step is to label it a hard moment. I can't tell you how powerful this is because often we don't even do that. So the first step is this is a hard moment. This is really hard right now. Label it. Okay. The second step is to remind yourself that even though you might physically be alone, you're not alone in this experience. Every single mother, every single parent has been through a moment like this. So you might say something to yourself like, every parent's been through something like this. It's okay. It's normal. I'm not alone. So you're going to label it a hard moment. This is a hard moment. It's okay. Every single parent's been through something like this. And then the third step is to say something kind and supportive to yourself, like you're doing a really great job. Bonus points if you want to put your hand on your heart or hand on your arm because the body actually doesn't know the difference from you giving yourself warm supportive touch to getting a hug from someone else. So that is a really powerful way to start to release some of that oxytocin in your body which will actually calm you down. Okay, so three steps for a hard moment. Label it. This is a really hard moment. Second step, I'm not alone. Every parent has been through some version of this. It's okay. And then say something kind to yourself. You're doing a really great job. Now, the absolute magic with this 30 second tool is that it can really help to calm our nervous system. And because of something called mirror neurons, our children pick up on that. The quickest way to calm children is to calm ourselves first because emotions are contagious. And because of mirror neurons, they pick up on our state. So it's always a good idea, even if everything is absolutely kicking off, take these 30 seconds, calm your system and then deal with whatever you're dealing with. Okay, so the third tool is to act as if you were your own friend. Now, so often as we go through our days, we make lots of micro decisions, don't we? Shall I make something healthy for lunch or shall I grab a quick biscuit? Shall I grab that glass of water or shall I quickly keep putting the kids' shoes on? Shall I go out tonight or shall I just stay in and catch up with the housework or my paid work? Okay, but I want you to ask yourself a question before you make one of those micro decisions. Okay, and the question is, what would I do if I liked myself? 
What would I do if I liked myself? And the reason that this is so powerful, it almost links to the first one, what would you say to a good friend, is that it can help you shortcut any of those beliefs in the relationship that you have with yourself. So say you're really thirsty, but you're rushing around, you're trying to get things sorted before you have to get out to school pickup or nursery drop, and you're really thirsty. Now, it may be that your programming is to just push through that. It doesn't matter. I'm not worth it. I just need to get on with everything I've got to get on with. But if you asked yourself the question, what would I do if I liked myself? You would grab that water. Now, it can be hard because you're breaking patterns because often we act as if we don't like ourselves. What would I do if I liked myself? I would get to that gym class. I would make myself that healthy meal. I would get an earlier night tonight. I would let myself sit down and have a rest for five minutes. What would I do if I liked myself? It is incredibly powerful because actually... Doing these tools that I've talked about today will grow your worth. It will grow your ability to get on your own side and be your own inner support system. And we can also, while we're building that muscle, act as if we are our own friend. Now, as you do this, you will face resistance because we always do when we break a cycle or we do something different. That's actually a good sign. The resistance is a sign that you're changing. Okay, so that's the third step. What would I do if I liked myself? So there we go. How to become your own friend using my three steps. Beliefs, getting down into the weeds, into the foundation. What do you really believe about yourself and how can you update those beliefs? Thoughts, recognising that often our inner critic is actually generational. It's often the inherited critic. We don't have to believe every thought that we have. We don't want to be telling that part of us to, to go away. We need to befriend it. And... We need to replace that first thought with a second thought, which is more positive and loving to ourselves. And the third step is actions. So how do we act from a place of being our own support system? Well, we can ask ourselves, what would I say to a good friend? We can use the self-compassion break and we can act as if we liked ourselves. So there you go. I really hope that was helpful. That was seven years of research and studying into about 30 minutes. So I really hope that I did a good job. I hope this episode has helped you. Please do let me know. If you want more on this, I'm going to link lots of episodes in the show notes. I'm also going to link a download that you can get, which is another 20 minute audio training from me, which dives even deeper into the some of the things that we have talked about. And if you're enjoying these solos from me, please do go back and listen to the guilt solo where I share again in just 30 minutes, seven years worth of research and deep diving into this topic on how to completely transform your guilt. So please do go and have a listen to that one too. And I will see you next time. Mm